welcome to Wit Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. I'm Elle Kammerer. And this is a Jane Austen podcast where we talk about Jane Austen and her novels. Yep, specifically today we are talking about Pride and Prejudice, chapters 19 through 24. So much happens. <laughs> but also, it doesn't happen in ter- a lot doesn't happen in terms of like action. Like there's right. a lot of like sitting and talking. Yeah. Lots of talking. Yeah, but it's yeah. really interesting talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to give you the quick summary of what happens. Okay. So this takes place after the ball at Netherfield, which is important to note. So this is after lots of flirting uh, with Lizzie and Darcy, lots of intrigue with Darcy and Wickham, and we see Jane and Bingley being all happy and lovely and cozy together. Also, Mr. Collins is in town, and we all know how much we like to make fun of him. We also know how much we love to hate him. So, (laughs) moving on. So, the morning after the ball, Mr. Collins corners Lizzie after breakfast, and Mrs. Bennet is just super excited, so she just, like, makes everybody leave the room. Um, which I think is actually just her and Kitty, but that's not the point. So Mr. Collins and Lizzie are alone in the dining room or alone in a room, and it's very uncomfortable. And Mr. Collins starts talking, and eventually, at some point in his speech, he asks her to marry him. She says no. He insists that she's only saying no because it's the proper, nice, amiable girl thing to do, um, and that she'll eventually say yes if he just keeps asking. And she's like, no. No means no. Mr. Collins is like, eh, does it? And Lizzie's like, yeah, no, no means no. Definitely no. She eventually then leaves the room. Mrs. Bennett comes in and is like, what? No, she said no. How dare she? And then she goes to talk to Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett, call Lizzie in. Mr. Bennett delivers the best line in the entire book, which we'll talk about in detail later. I don't want to spoil it here. (laughs) Um, Essentially, though, Lizzie's like, nope, this isn't happening. And then enter Mr. Wickham. He's back in town. Yay. And with Mr. Wickham, there's also news of Bingley, who suddenly isn't in town anymore. Uh, His sister sends Jane a letter saying that everybody in the party at Netherfield has gone to London and they'll probably be gone for the whole winter and that Mr. Bingley probably isn't going to come back anytime soon. Oh, yeah. And he also has a crush on Miss Darcy, or at the very least, Miss Bingley thinks Mr. Bingley has a crush on Miss Darcy. It's a little confusing, but it's there. So then, after Mr. Collins was told no and finally accepted the answer, the Bennets and the Lucases start hanging out. And Lizzie kind of just passes Mr. Collins off to Charlotte in that Lizzie feels uncomfortable. She doesn't want him around. So she's like, Charlotte, take care of him, please. Just keep talking to him. Just keep talking to him. And Charlotte's like, okay, cool. No big deal. Eventually, and kind of purposefully, Mr. Collins asks Charlotte Lucas to marry him. She says yes. Her and Lizzie have a big fight. Lizzie is upset. Mrs. Bennett is upset. Mrs. and Sir Lucas are super excited. Mr. Bennett doesn't seem to really care. And Lydia spreads the news around town. Then we have a couple pages of Mrs. Bennett complaining that Charlotte is going to eventually take over Longbourn and throw her out. And then Jane gets another letter from Miss Bingley confirming that everybody is hanging out in London for the winter and talking up Miss Darcy even more to the point of where it's really super annoying and kind of bitchy. Um, And then at the very end of these 
these chapters, uh, Mr. Wickham comes back and everybody's chatting and everybody, with the exception of Jane, but everybody at the end of this decides that Mr. Darcy is the worst of men. And that's what happens in a nutshell. Yeah, you did great. Lots of chatting. Thank you. All right. Well, let's let's dive into chapter 19 and talk about this proposal, which is mostly Mr. Collins talking the entire time. He talks so much, basically. Uh, it's it's insane. And it's it's not even just that he just keeps talking. It's the point that he essentially is like, oh, hey, I would like you to marry me. And then I'm just going to keep talking and telling you about um, Lady Catherine and my house and how amiable you are and how she's going to be happy about it and how we're going to be happy about it and how you're going to be so happy at my house and how eventually this is what life is going to be like and blah, blah, blah. And Lizzie has to go, whoa, I haven't even given you an answer yet. <laughs> like, slow your roll. <laughs> yeah. He starts off his proposal by first saying that he's singled Lizzie out, which lie he singled Jane out first, but was dissuaded by Mrs. Bennet. And then he was into Lizzie. And he says, and we talked about this last week, and here's the proof. He does say, I came into Hertfordshire with the design of selecting a wife. And he explains why. He explains all the reasons why Lizzie marrying me is a great thing for you. See, it's great because I'm in the clergy and I have a pretty awesome living. Also, it's going to benefit me because I'm going to be super happy. And Lady Catherine told me to come find a wife and look, here you are. So here's all the reasons why you should marry me and why it is such a good match it's pretentious as fuck it's very pretentious like even more so than his usual pretentiousness yeah and then after he like goes off and he relates the story about the specific instance where lady catherine told him to go find a wife which who she lizzie doesn't care like she doesn't care after he does that he's also like oh by the way lizzie i know this is a sensitive issue because i'm going to inherit your house when your dad dies and this was another reason why I wanted to come here because I thought I needed to choose one of my cousins so that all of you could be safe from extreme poverty when your father dies. Not if, when your father dies. Yeah. Yeah. After he explains all that, he assures her in the most animated language of the violence of his affection for her, which it's not. He, he, he's just saying this flowery language to persuade her, but it's all made up in his head that yeah. he wants to be with her. And then to add insult to injury, he's like, oh, and I know you don't have a very big inheritance. You know, you you're only going to get like a fourth or like 4% of whatever your mother gets, you know, after she passes away. So don't worry. I'm not really going to ask for a dowry. Inheriting Longbourn is enough for me. It's so rude. It's so rude. If somebody asked me to marry them like this, I, I don't know. I read it as because not only do we know that he lied about the fact that he singled out Lizzie from the start, mm -hmm. uh, it's also just like essentially this translates to hey, so I'm gonna take over your house when your dad dies. So I'm just gonna marry you. So then 
I don't look like a complete douchebag taking a, taking over this house and kicking all of you out. Yeah. Also, if you marry me, then you won't get kicked out. He doesn't make any promises about not kicking out the rest of the family, though. He he implies it a little bit. He does he does say your sisters at one point, but it's kind of like a throwaway comment. And then after yeah. all of that, that's when Lizzie is like, okay, you need to stop. You are getting way too ahead of yourself. I haven't even said yes to you yet. I haven't made a single answer. You are too hasty, sir. You forget that I have made no answer. Let me do it without further loss of time, because when Mr. Collins speaks, we all lose a significant amount of our time. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you know, I know that young ladies are supposed to refuse on the first attempt. And you know what? He's, He's not wrong in that regard. That is true. And I don't fault him for this first time saying it. Because that is true of the time. So I don't fault him for the first time saying it, but I do fault him the second time, the third time, the fourth time, and the fifth time. I literally wrote no means no every single time he did it. So one, two, three, four times I wrote no means no. Yeah. And even she tries, after she tells him no, The first two times, she's just going to leave. She's like, I got to get away from him. And he won't let her go. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to bring this up again. And when I do, I know you'll change your mind. And she like stops and turns around and is like, are you serious? You puzzle me exceedingly. If what I have hitherto said can appear to you in the form of encouragement, I know not how to express my refusal in such a way as may convince you of its being one. Translation, I don't know how to make you realize that I don't want to because I'm already saying no and you're still not getting it. Yeah. At some point, uh, she is actually standing there thinking, okay, well, I might have to bring my dad into this. Yeah. Because that might be the only way to get him to stop. And it's legitimately just because it would be a man saying no. Because even if it was... All of the Bennett women saying, no, Mr. Collins, Lizzie will not marry you. He wouldn't take it seriously. Like, he's pretty much laid it out flat, being like, well, I can't listen to a woman who isn't Lady Catherine. Right. And even before it gets to that point, because she keeps refusing him, and he's trying, he starts to go a little bit below the belt with Lizzie. And he's like, listen, you are very amiable, and you are very pretty, and you are a prize. But I'm going to tell you right now, Lizzie Bennett, If you refuse me, you might not get another offer because of how poor you will be. Mm -hmm. And that is going to make you seem less in the eyes of other suitors. So this is basically your only chance. He's he's threatening her, essentially. That's how I read it. No, that's exactly how I read it as well. He very much is like, you will not get anybody else. There's no reason why you shouldn't accept my offer like this is the best offer you're gonna get which is interesting because mr collins was at the dance the night before Mm -hmm. and he saw her dancing with darcy and he knows that her sister is supposedly going to be engaged to mr bingley so the entire reasoning behind his saying this is that he is a prideful man yep and he believes that he is of higher status than he is. Yep. Which we see at at the dance. Because logically, even if Mr. Darcy wasn't an option, 
just given the fact that Jane would be married to Bingley would give Elizabeth so many options. Right. Yeah. But again, this goes back to what we talked about that at the end of our last episode, Mrs. Bennet doesn't favor Lizzie, so no. she doesn't see that. No. And so that's why she's okay with her going off with Mr. Collins. Right. And then so I don't know if you want to move to that next point, but Mrs. Bennett finding out that Lizzie said no is... Sends her into a tizzy. Because... Oh, it's more than a tizzy. It is a... I might... Ugh. So let's set the scene because Mr. Co- Mrs. Bennett... Lizzie leaves the room basically after the insult, essentially. She's just like, yes. I'm done. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And when she goes out, Mrs. Bennett is standing right outside the door. Lizzie walks mm-hmm. out. Mrs. Bennett's like, oh, okay, it's done. She goes in. She's like, oh, congratulations, Mr. Collins. We're going to be related even more. You marry my daughter. It's great. And he's like, well, she refused me. But don't worry, Mrs. Bennett. This is normal. And Mrs. Bennett is like, you're right, but I know my daughter. And she, uh, let me take care of this because... She's not going to marry you. Mrs. Bennett is, she's ridiculous, but she's not dumb. Right. So she gets it. Mrs. Bennett totally gets it. But what I find really interesting is that Mrs. Bennett starts talking about her being headstrong and foolish. Yes. Yeah. So Mrs. Bennett talks about that. And Mr. Collins is all of a sudden like, well, you know, if she's going to be headstrong and stuff like that, maybe she isn't such a good wife. Like he says, quote, she could not contribute much to my felicity, which is interesting because that is pretty much exactly what Lizzie said to him yeah. when she refused him. It was like, I'm not going to make you happy, sir. Like I am the opposite of what you want. So after Mr. Collins said that to Miss Bennett, I wrote, you finally said something smart. And it's so weird because chapter 19, he's so obnoxious. But then we know he's mad in the later chapters, but he says really sensible things. Yeah, it did seem a little weird how from one moment to the next he was, it almost felt as if Lizzie had knocked him down a peg, but we know that that didn't actually happen because he doesn't have that in him to take what Lizzie is saying and actually internalize it to where he would have been knocked down a peg. But all of a sudden, yeah, it does seem like Mr. Collins is like, hmm, maybe she's right. Maybe she isn't right for me. Right. I wonder if that isn't just a pacing point on on Austin that she just wanted to, you know, show us what happens next so quickly as opposed to giving Mr. Collins time to, I don't know, use his brain. Yeah, (laughs) I, I totally can see that for sure. And also maybe because Mr. Collins knows that he won't get to marry Lizzie, because of what Mr. Bennett says in chapter 20. Right. But this is so we see this happening before we get to Mr. Bennett, though. So yeah, Mrs. Bennett goes in, says this to Mr. Collins, and Mr. Collins is all of a sudden like, "Mm, no, maybe Lizzie isn't right for me. And Mrs. Bennett is like, no, 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 no. She is. It'll be fine. Let me just go talk to her. And I'm going to go talk to Mr. Bennett. It'll be fine. Hang on. And she runs into the library where Mr. Bennett is uh, hanging out. And she explains what happened. And Mr. Bennett is like, okay, let's settle this. And he calls Lizzie down. And so, I don't know, would you like to talk about the best line in the entire book? Yeah, well, this is the best dad line. (laughs) This is is like my favorite, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I did write best line, best dad next to it. (laughs) I wrote, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, let's set the scene again, because 
everything is a everything is about setting the scene right now because mm-hmm. there's so much talking, but you have to know where things are happening. So Mrs. Like you said, Mrs. Bennett runs into Mr. Bennett's library. She's all in a tizzy. She's like, Mr. Bennett, quick! You need to tell Lizzie to marry Mr. Collins because Mr. Collins is saying that he's not going to marry her anymore because she said no. And Mr. Bennett is just like sitting with his book, and he just like. You know, like, I imagine him putting his finger, like, where he is and, like, looking up. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so she has to, you know, she explains it again. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, come on, send Lizzie down. I'll I'll let her know what I think. Yeah. She shall hear my opinion. Exactly. Which I wrote, yes, I want to hear his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So Lizzie is summoned to the library where Mrs. Bennett and Mr. Bennett are. Mr. Bennett tells her to come near, and he's like, listen, I heard that Mr. Collins proposed to you. Is that true? And you refused it? She's like, yep, I have, sir. It's like, well, very well. We've come to the point. Your mother insists upon you accepting it, or she will never see you again. And they confirm this. And then the best line ever is, Mr. Bennett says, An unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins. And I will never see you again if you do. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. I mean, that's basically dad putting his foot down. Like, nope. Right. But there's actually a little bit of a setup before he says this. Uh, he says, uh, very well, and this offer of marriage you have refused. Lizzie says, I have, sir. He says, very well, we now come to the point your mother insists upon you accepting it. Is it not so, Mrs. Bennett? To which Mrs. Bennett says, yes, or I will not ever see her again. So he makes sure that Mrs. Bennett like says this out loud says yes no if you don't do this i will never see you again so he sets her up because he already knows his answer and he wants to make sure that mrs bennett says it aloud so because otherwise if he says well your mother won't see you again that's mr bennett speaking for mrs bennett but he makes her say it out loud which sets her up for when he's like well no it's one or the other i'm not letting this happen so i was just like yes put your foot down like yeah come on like Make her realize, make Mrs. Bennett realize where the problem is, that she is part of the problem here. Right. So, yeah, I loved that setup. Honestly, if it weren't for the end of the last chapter we talked about in the last episode and Mrs. Bennett saying that Lizzie was the least favorite of her daughters, if it were not for that, you know, I would kind of be a little bit more understanding with Mrs. Bennett and her urgency because she's trying to get all of these daughters married off and taken care of. But because she says that Lizzie is the least mm-hmm. dear and to her it's just so throwaway, I just, I lose all of my sympathy for her in this. Right, right. I agree. And so like when I've, when I previously read this and when I've watched the films, you don't get that. 
Like, I didn't pick that up and everything. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I get where Mrs. Bennett is coming from. But yeah, no, this this is just like, no, she's letting Mr. Collins marry her daughter because she doesn't give as much care to Lizzie. Even though she knows Lizzie isn't good for Mr. Collins. Like, she knows this would be terrible. Yeah. But what's interesting, though, is that eventually later on, and it's just kind of almost a throwaway, is that Mrs. Bennett hopes that next time Mr. Collins comes to visit, that he'll maybe propose to Mary next. Mm -hmm. Which she does take some thought into because she says something like, well, if Mr. Collins were more knowledgeable, if he liked to read more, if he wanted to kind of learn more about Mary's interests, then it wouldn't be that bad of a marriage. So she actually considers Mary a little bit more than she did Elizabeth. Oh, I read that as... They were talking about how Mary could be the potential wife for Mr. Collins when he comes back. And Mary heard that. And she's like, well, you know, I'm Mary. I'm pretty smart. I know things. And, like, Mr. Collins isn't that bad. And maybe if I can get Mr. Collins to read more books, he won't be that bad of a husband. And so, like, I read that as, like, Mary reasoning herself into accepting him. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. That that does read as Mary. So that's one of the problems I have with, with Austen um, and just books of the time is that they're not always clear on who is saying and thinking what. Yeah. But yeah, no, that is that is Mary thinking that. Okay, so I'm taking that back. Okay. Mrs. Bennett doesn't get credit for that. Yeah. Because no. she was just going to pass him off on her next daughter. To, uh, yeah, on her next daughter too. But yeah. Mary is thinking. And you know what? I actually kind of agree with Mary. Now, now that I read this as Mary thinking it. Yeah. Like she probably wouldn't care. Yeah. Like, you know, she'd be like, eh, whatever. But yeah, no. So yeah, no. Um, Rue Miss Bennett? Yeah. <laughs> but of course we know. Well, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Well, hang on a second. No, uh, this is, uh, we're going right back. So okay. the very next line after Mr. Bennett is like, no, you, you will either never speak to me or never speak to your mother again if you, you know, marry Marry Mr. Collins. And of course, because Lizzie loves Mr. Bennett, she's going to choose Mr. Bennett. Also, she doesn't want to marry Mr. Collins. Yeah. But my favorite thing after that is that um, Mrs. Bennett, who had persuaded herself that her husband regarded the affair as she wished, was exceedingly disappointed or excessively disappointed, to which I wrote, well, maybe you should communicate a little bit with your husband. (laughs) Yeah. Because this is what we talked about last episode, where it's like, well, Mrs. Bennett doesn't think that much of Lizzie. It's her least favorite daughter. Mr. Bennett is the complete opposite. We know this. We know he loves Lizzie. Right. And that he would never, ever in a million years let Lizzie marry Mr. Collins. Exactly. So. I found Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett to be kind of a catch-22. So we know Mrs. Bennett is completely obsessed with getting her daughters married Because of reasons. All the reasons that we have Mm -hmm. stated. We know them. Mm -hmm. Mr. Bennett, and we see that later on in our section that we read today. Especially when he's talking to Lizzie, kind of teasing her about Wickham. How Wickham would be a great person to jilt her, essentially. Like, he's teasing her. And he's kind of also in in that exchange with Lizzie, teasing Jane about... Bingley and that love situation as well and that makes me think that Mr. Bennett is a little bit too lax in getting his daughters married because when he dies they're not gonna have anything and I 
I just wonder if because Mrs. Bennet is so overboard and Mr. Bennet can't handle how crazy overboard she goes with everything, he has just conditioned himself to take this back seat and not be more involved in securing husbands for his daughters. Well, I don't disagree with you, but I do also think that he does care. Yeah, he in the cares. Sense because, yeah, so like, because he did, he did reach out to Mr. Bingley and stuff like that. But also, like, he says at some point in this section that he could outlive Mr. Collins. So what difference does it make? I thought it was he was going to outlive Mrs. Bennett. Oh, he could totally do that as well. But I, I read or maybe it as he, he meant was, both of them. Yeah. yeah, you know, he could be the survivor is what he says. Yeah. Which... That's a complaint I have later, is Mrs. Bennett keeps complaining and complaining and complaining about this, about what's going to happen when her husband dies. But it's like, her husband is still alive. Maybe she should spend some time with him, because it's very clear by the fact they didn't talk about Lizzie and Mr. Collins, that they're not communicating very well. Marriage tip number one, communication is key. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I do think that he cares. But yeah, he he isn't as active, because I think he he feels like there's still time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that's what's interesting about the, the section that you were talking about, about being jilted, is that he says that it's actually good for a young lady to get a really good crush on somebody and have it not work out because it kind of, well, it makes you more interesting because it's like, oh, well, you had that thing with Mr. Bingley and that didn't work out. Well, that makes you more interesting, you know, maybe even more desirable to another guy because it's a little bit of competition kind of thing, you know, it's mm-hmm. so like I kind of get where he's coming from. And yeah, he's joking. Totally joking. But he's also trying to make Jane feel better, I think, a little bit. And Lizzie feel better about what happened to Jane. Yeah. And then he says, well, Lizzie, go ahead and, you know, get this crush on Mr. Wickham and go ahead and flirt with him and let him jilt you. To which I responded, I feel like you're going to regret those words. Later. <laughs> All right. So Mr. Bennett is basically like, nope, Lizzie, you don't, you're not going to marry Mr. Collins. And Lizzie's like, thank God. And then Mr. Collins is like... Okay, well, let me think about this. Because he's disappointed and he is hurt. His pride is Mm -hmm. hurt. And I think his pride being hurt is what angers him more than Lizzie's refusal. Because after a while, he does convince himself, right, it's not the right choice for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just love his, like, level of self-reflection, even though it's completely misguided. Because the way he's self-reflecting is making himself seem better and above the whole situation when that's not Mm -hmm. the case at all and then all this is going on and then charlotte comes over and lydia rushes in just like oh my gosh charlotte you'll never guess what mr collins asked lizzie to marry him lizzie said no and i wrote (laughs) i underlined that and i wrote me because i love family drama and i am lydia in this (laughs) instance where if shit is going down in my family my cousin comes over and be like, oh my god, guess what? This happened, this happened, this happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's how this is reading it. They're getting the gossip. Charlotte comes in. Mrs. Bennett is like in despair. And Charlotte's like kind of roped in to Mrs. Bennett's pity party. And she doesn't really know what to say to do or do. But luckily, Mr. Collins comes in and distracts everybody. And like Mrs. Bennett's like, go leave. Let me talk to Mr. Collins, but none of the girls want to leave. So yeah. they just kind of like stand around outside the room and like listen to what's going on, including Charlotte. Well, no, Charlotte is in the room because Mr. Collins addresses Charlotte. So she's just like, oh, well, he knows I'm here and seems OK. I'm just going to hang out by the window. Right. And pretend I'm not listening, but I'm yeah. listening. 
I'm totally paying attention to this, which is really interesting because um, so at the dance, when Mr. Collins was bothering Lizzie, she just kind of like Charlotte was there and Charlotte was talking to Mr. Collins to kind of take that weight off of Lizzie. And it kind of just felt like it was the good friend thing to do. But now we're kind of seeing that it's very clearly Charlotte is doing it on purpose. And it becomes even more so. So she's trying to get the dirt on Mr. Collins here. So I think the shift was she was being nice to Lizzie. But now that she knows that Mr. Collins asked Lizzie and Lizzie said no, I think that was the shift. And now she's like, now I'm definitely doing it to my advantage. Yeah, well, I think being thrown together so much opened her up to the idea at first. And then she comes to the house and hears how he asked Lizzie to marry him and Lizzie said no and then Mm. she gets to hear the whole speech that Mr. Collins gives Mrs. Bennett after they're asked to leave the room and Mr. Collins is saying all the reasons why he's not going to accept Lizzie anymore he's withdrawing his proposal he's like don't worry I hold no ill will you guys are still really high in my favor I care so much about you Mm -hmm. but I'm going to withdraw it. And of course, Charlotte hears that. She hears that confirmation. And then, yeah, you're right. Yeah. She's, she's going she's gonna to play to her advantages now when it comes to Mr. Collins. Right. Because like when I was reading this, at some point I was like, oh, wow, Charlotte is actually doing this on purpose. Like it is very clearly stated that she is doing this on purpose. And I was like, oh, that's kind of backstabby. And I was kind of like, oh, Charlotte, I don't know if I like this. But then I'm like, no, it like, I understand where Charlotte is coming from. But also, Lizzie said no. Yeah, she doesn't want him. Yeah. She never wanted him. So I don't think it's that bad. Well, no. So like, um, at, at first, I was like, oh, yeah, no, blah, blah, blah. But then now when I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, oh, no, and like Charlotte is completely in the right here. And not just because Charlotte is 27. But also, it, it I started reading Lizzie's reaction. Mm-hmm. to everything in a different light because it's very much whiny teenager yeah it's very childish and we will we're gonna get into that pretty much n- next after we get through this last little bit yeah because an important thing happens yeah exactly but before we go to there there's a line in mr collins's speech to mrs bennett that really stuck with me he says my conduct may I fear be objectionable in having accepted my dismission from your daughter's lips instead of your own. So he's like, yeah, I understand you guys wanted to try and convince her, but I'm going to take what Lizzie said and just, it's fine. But no, he doesn't. He already knows Mr. Bennett said no. Like, (laughs) dude. I literally wrote, oh my God, he apologizes for listening to Lizzie say no over and over and over again. He apologizes to her parents for listening to her. Yeah. He says, I'm sorry that I listened to your daughter and what she wished. Yeah. Oh my God. Right? The times. I the know. times. I know. Seriously? Oh. Because had Mr. Bennett just been flat out like, no, this isn't going to happen, he wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah, no, this is, you know, I'll just wait a little bit. Yeah. Even if Mrs. Bennett had been like, no, 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 don't do that, because that's what happened with Jane. Yeah. Mrs. Bennett was like, no, you don't want Jane. Jane is, you know. And then he withdrew, and it was fine. But no, because it was Lizzie who said no. Mm -hmm. You know, he plays this little kind of pity party thing, but also kind of forgets about her. And then, yeah, he's like, oh, don't worry, Mrs. Bennett. 
it's fine, but I'm sorry I listened to Lizzie, and I'm sorry I didn't make you guys press her. No, you did, you kind, like, you didn't make them, but I mean, you knew that it was gonna happen. I feel, I feel like he knew that she would be pressed regardless. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for listening to a woman express her own desires as to whether or not to marry me. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well, now let's segue into Mr. Collins's visit to Lucas Lodge, which- Well, hang on. I believe we get the letter from Miss Bingley first. (gasps) Oh, okay, okay. Because there's two letters, so it is a little confusing because the first one we get- so we get proposal, letter, proposal, letter. Okay. That's the order. So we've had proposal one. Now we have the letter. And while, yes, the next chapter does talk about Mr. Collins, this is where they're sitting at breakfast and things are awkward turtle as fuck. <laughs> and then the letter from Carolyn Bingley shows up for Jane, to which Jane reads quietly. I don't know if she even talks about what was what happens in the letter while everyone is there. No, no, no. She, yeah, she does. You're right. No, I meant no, 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 as in you're right. So, yeah, so she gets the letter. Well, we should also note that they went to Meriton and they found the soldiers and Wickham was there. And then Wickham walked them back and Lizzie introduces Wickham to the parents. And then they're like hanging out. And that's when Jane gets the letter and she reads it. And Lizzie's like, why does Jane look sad? And then Wickham leaves, and then that's when Jane's like, That's what it was. We gotta go to my room. I gotta tell you about this. Sorry, I have this, I have this illness. It's called blind Wickham disease, (laughs) where when he shows up, I want to forget about him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they go up to their room, because they share a room, because apparently this house isn't big enough. Yes, Uh, Jane and Lizzie share a room. Also, it actually makes sense for two older daughters to kind of share a room because mm-hmm. one of them is supposed to get married, so she's going to be gone soon, right? Right. Also, it's like a way, you know, of girls keeping each other in check and making sure they're not getting into mischief. <gasps> it's kind of like having a bedfellow. I feel like there's totally a Shakespeare plot that like, yep. takes care of this. That 100%. This in detail. There is. It may or may not be my favorite play. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so they go upstairs and they chat. And essentially the letter is, oh, Jane, I'm so sorry that we didn't get to say goodbye. But we totally left this morning and this letter is going to get to you afterwards. Uh, I'm still not going to swing by and say goodbye. Just throwing that out there. But we're going to London and it's me and my sister and her husband and Mr. Darcy. Bingley's already there, as you know, because that's why he couldn't go to dinner. Um, But, yeah, so we're leaving and we're probably not coming back. Yes, that is the tone, but that's not, of course, how she writes it. She writes it very flowery and with lots of affection for Jane. But that is the underlying tone of that letter. Sorry, I it's, forgot the, I love you dearly. I love you so much. Like, we need to be you're my pen pals, BFF. and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Miss Bingley is treating this like how you treat your, like, college acquaintance, where you're like, oh my god, we're going to keep in touch forever with no intention of keeping in touch. Oh, yeah. No, this is totally the yearbook note of letters. Yes, it really is. Yeah. Especially because then she goes on to be like, yeah, so we're like going to London and it's going to be amazing. And oh, we get to see Miss Darcy. We love her so much. I love hearing about her. I like, you know, love hearing news from Mr. Darcy because, of course, name drop Mr. Darcy in case your sister reads this. 
Anyway, um, yeah, so she's awesome. And actually, I think my brother totally has like a thing for her. And if he doesn't, I just think that they would be so cute together. Like, oh, my God. Exactly. Also, so much money. Also, even though Miss Darcy is going to be there, we're going to have so many of our other friends in London as well. And wouldn't it be so cool if you could come? But I know you can't. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So just letting you know all of this information, even though I totally could have come over and like told you in person. Right. And like hung out a little bit. But I love you so, so, so much. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to write this letter while while I'm like currently like on my way home to London. P.S. I love Miss Darcy so much. And me and my other sister, Louisa, are super excited for Miss Darcy to be our sister. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. P.P.S. Sorry, not sorry. P.P.S. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. (laughs) right um i love how each section on this letter so first there's the part where jane is reading that the whole party has left and gone to london and lizzie's like oh well screw them we don't like them anyway bingley will be back from london in three to three or four days he said he would be and she's like hold on wait lizzie and then she explains how they're all gonna stay for winter and then lizzie's like oh well okay he stays for winter but then he'll he'll be back in the summer you know he we I've seen how much he loves you. Everything is okay. You're, you know, he'll come back and then you guys will get married. And she's like, hold on, Lizzie. Look, she says that she can't wait for Miss Darcy to be their sister and that Bingley's going to marry Miss Darcy. Look. And then Lizzie's like, oh. Well, they say something about, I don't know if it's Lizzie or if it was in the letter, but they say something about intermingling of families or something like that yeah so essentially lizzie interprets this all as look jane don't worry because jane is concerned she's like i have made all of this up in my head that mr bingley liked me look see his sisters had already intended for him to marry miss darcy and lizzie's like no they are specifically going to london to keep him away from you because they know that he likes you. Also, we know that Miss Bingley loves Darcy. And as soon, she thinks, Miss Bingley thinks, as soon as Mr. Bingley marries Miss Darcy, it will make it easier for Miss Bingley to marry Darcy. Yes. And that's, and Jane's like, I don't think so, Lizzie. Nobody can be this deceptive nobody can design all of this is her argument and Lindsay's like don't be so sure right and they get more into that argument with the second note yes right yeah but um i love when lizzie is she says that she's like okay so miss bingley wants her brother to marry darcy's sister so then she can marry darcy but what miss bingley doesn't know is Lady Catherine's daughter is supposedly going to marry Darcy. Yeah, and that to her is hilarious. Oh, yeah, she loves this. Yeah, and I think that because Lizzie knows that bit of information, she is able to resolve it even more in her head that Bingley will be back because Mm -hmm. that marriage won't work out. The Darcy-Miss Bingley marriage won't work out. Therefore, the Mr. Bingley-Miss Darcy marriage can't work out. Right, right. And so I do find it interesting, uh, Jane, who is, I don't know, it's when it comes to both of these letters, 
and Jane reads them and she gets really sad. Obviously, you know, she had these feelings and she thought that Bingley also had these feelings. So she is very heartbroken. But at the same time, she is convincing herself or at the very least, she's allowing Miss Bingley to convince her that it was all made up, that it was all in her head, that she just had the crush and that maybe she was even bothering Bingley with this crush and so it just makes her feel ashamed and kind of like like her her expression of her like to Mr. Bingley was shameful yeah and that is first of all it's not healthy no and second of all it is something very common for young women not just young girls who get their first crush but Mm -hmm. also young women in their 20s when you're ghosted because that's essentially what happens is jane is ghosted yeah by mr bingley because he's not the one responding to her he's not the one writing back right or writing at all right so which is interesting because my first reaction would be to then write mr bingley which is not what happens jane just writes back to carolyn right because that's her correspondent and i think at this point also it would be a bit scandalous if jane wrote directly to mr bingley yeah I, I understand that, but I'm more like Lizzie, so I want to kind of be more of the, well, I don't care if it's scandalous. I need answers from him. Right. <laughs> but that's not how Jane is. No, Jane is not like that. But we'll get back to Jane and Lizzie. So now we go hang out at Lucas Lodge for a bit. Yes. I love how this first paragraph of chapter 22 Mr. Collins, like, gets up early because he doesn't want anybody in the Bennett household to know he intends to propose to Miss Lucas because he thinks that just by going over there, they're going to assume that's what he's going to do, which, why would they assume that? (laughs) Like, they wouldn't. (laughs) There's zero reason for that, especially because I don't think anybody other than Lizzie has paid attention to the fact that Charlotte and Mr. Collins have been talking. Exactly. And she only knows because Mr. Collins isn't talking to her. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So he gets up super early to kind of do this in secret. And also, it's not just because he's staying with the Bennets and him going over to Lucas last to propose is kind of uncouth. But he also wants to make sure that Charlotte's going to say yes to him before he makes it known because he doesn't want to Mm -hmm. have everybody know that if she says no, he was refused a second time in three days. And then Charlotte is like watching out her window and she sees him Mm -hmm. coming and she goes down and she's like, oh, whoops, you're here. Like she knew he was here, but she goes down. And it just reminded me so much of, so I love watching Eliza Schlesinger's stand up and she has this great bit about how how men say that like, oh, I was out and then I saw her. How they like meet their girlfriend. And she's like, no, I saw you. And that is this. Like I thought about <laughs> that comedy bit she does in this little part where Charlotte's like, well, I saw you. Yeah. Well, so that even goes even further because in that whole chunk of paragraph at the at the beginning, it talks about how Charlotte was very much making it so then Mr. Collins would ask her mm-hmm. to marry him. So it's and then Mr. Collins later on we kind of get the whole of like, oh well yeah, no, I was I was stricken by her. I was taken by her. Like I, you know, it's I'm so excited. She'll make me the most happiest man on the planet. So it's almost like, oh no, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this and Charlotte would just be like, no, 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 no. It's I roped you in. Mm-hmm. Just like I went outside so we could you know, you could propose to me outside, which I love this line. Uh, she looked from the upper window. 
and instantly set out to meet him accidentally, quote unquote, in the lane. But little had she dared to hope that so much love and eloquence awaited there. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, yeah, no, he'll come. But she didn't realize the, the state in which he would be when he showed up. Which is very much like the whole, oh, I'm so in love with you. Oh, you'll make me the happiest man on the planet kind of situation, which is pretty much what happened. And of course, she accepts him and the Lucases are very excited to finally have their 27-year-old daughter married. The younger daughters of the Lucas household are like, yes, we can come out into society now because our older sister is finally (laughs) going to get married. And then the brothers are like, oh, thank God we don't have to take care of her. Phew. Yeah, she's not going to be an old maid. Yeah, we won't have to worry about helping her in life. Right, which that kind of brings the whole point to Charlotte and how you read her as Mm -hmm. a character because while she has had some really good useful tips about marriage not marriage but hoarding and the idea of marriage earlier in the book here we finally start to kind of see from her point of view and how she actually thinks about marriage and it's very much and 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 I'm just going to read this quote here because I think that this sums it up without thinking highly either of men or matrimony Marriage had always been to her an object. So it was something she had to get, something, you know, that she she just had to have because she's a woman. But she doesn't care right. about the idea of marriage or what marriage is or what goes into marriage. Like, she wasn't looking forward to that. She just knew she had to have it and then she could continue living her life. Like, she doesn't care about men. Right. So she doesn't care who it is as long as she has the object because that's what she needs in order to continue living i i personally think that if it wasn't for that she wouldn't be married either right like if it wasn't for the society so if charlotte was living now she wouldn't be married no she wouldn't be interested in anybody she would probably while i have no authority to say this because i don't know specifics she would probably consider herself at the very least a romantic or asexual yeah, I I agree with that because she does say that she is not interested in romantic type love. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very safe to say that she is aromantic. At the very least, At the yes. very least, because she does say that. Yeah. I love how after she accepts him, everybody in her family is really happy. And, you know, she's happy because she's going to be taken care of. She did her duty. She got that object. Yep. Now she is free to think about how Lizzie's going to react. And she is very nervous about Lizzie being upset with her. I think at first, because, you know, Mr. Collins asked Lizzie to marry him. And of course, Lizzie refused him. And, you know, there's kind of like a taboo there because they're best friends. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a girl code thing there. But she resigned to tell Lizzie herself. So she's like, Collins, don't say anything. I gotta talk to my friend first. Which I respect her for that. You've just spent all day not talking about this. Because I'm not going to get to talk to Lizzie until tomorrow. BT dubs. (laughs) Keep that giant mouth of yours shut for 24 hours. Yeah. And he doesn't tell the Bennets. But he's like, oh, yeah, I'll see you guys in a couple weeks. And they're like, what? No, that's okay. Don't come back. He's like, no, I'm going to come back. And they're like, please, God, no, don't come back. And he's like, no, I'm Mm -hmm. coming back. I can't tell you why, though, but I'm going to come back, wink, wink. And then that's when they assume that maybe he's coming back for a different daughter, maybe Mary. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mr. Bennett has another really good line. 
because Mr. Bennett is like, oh, no, 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 no. Sure, you're surely your patroness wouldn't want you to leave your, your, you know, your church. You know, don't worry about it. You don't want to take too much time off. You know, you never know. Your boss might get angry. And Mr. Collins is like, no, 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 no. It's totally fine. And Mr. Bennett is like, be satisfied that we shall take no offense to you not coming back for a while. (laughs) Yeah. We will not take offense. If anything, that's almost Mr. Bennett saying, we will take offense if you come back. Yeah, exactly. He's like, just stay away. And he's like, don't worry, I'll be back. And so this is the point where Elizabeth is starting to wonder if there is starting to wonder more seriously about the connection between Mr. Collins and Charlotte at this yeah. point. She she hasn't been told certain yet, but she's wondering it. And then, of course, the very next day after she has this thought, Charlotte comes over to break the news to her. Mm-hmm. She is incredulous at first is how I describe her. And then she's like very upset with her. So she breaks the bounds of decorum. And cries out, engaged to Mr. Collins? My dear Charlotte, impossible. The idea that she just is like, what? Yeah. And she just, she breaks the bounds of decorum. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of being like, oh girl, congratulations. She's like, you did what? No. And, And I don't think she ever gets to the point where she's like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Not to her, no. I she she throws it away. She's like, oh, mm, congratulations. But she makes the congratulations to Sir William. So what what I find interesting is like you say, oh, she doesn't go, oh, congratulations, oh my gosh. Like I would never think that she would do that anyway. But she doesn't even go as far as just like, excuse me, what? What did why why why? Not so much like what the fuck? This is impossible. No, she's just like, why? Like because that's mm-hmm. where I would be like. Why the fuck would you do that? That sounds so stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, she does kind of do that. Yeah, eventually. But her first response is like, huh? Like she screams. I don't know. I just feel like she was overly, overly excited by the response, you know? Yeah. And then you know, we see Charlotte go a little bit on the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, rightly so. But she did expect Lizzie to have a big reaction. So Charlotte is, she's just flat out and she's like, I'm not romantic. You know, I never was. I'm convinced that my chance of happiness with him is, is as fair as most people. So she's just like, look, like I'm going to be just as happy with Mr. Collins as I would be with literally anybody else because I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't, I don't care. I'm not a romantic person. I don't like guys. I don't like anybody. I'm not romantic. I don't care. So what difference does it make? Also, she's 27. She's 27 and unmarried. I, I highly doubt that anyone has made her an offer before Mr. Collins. Right. Even if you think about it in terms of Charlotte was very much manipulating Mr. Collins to get him to ask her to marry him. I don't think looking at it, and I know this is this is something that we have to look at it because it's the lens, it's the time. But I think looking at it as Charlotte is 27, she hasn't had this option before, I think is... It's an argument, but I think it's less of an argument than just her being like, what difference does it make who it is? This is an opportunity. It was presented to me and I'm taking it because I'm going to be just as happy if it's Mr. Collins or if it's Mr. Bingley. I think it could be both ways. She could be thinking this. I think the argument stands and they're both, they both work in harmony together. Mm -hmm. Right. I just, I feel like, um, 
most of the discussions, or at least the ones that I've heard about Charlotte, and I think even we made a point um, before we actually got to this and we saw Charlotte's point of view is that, oh yeah, well, of course she's going to try to, you know, she's going to accept this proposal or she's going to try to get him to marry her because she's 27. So it feels like that's the hard and fast rule or the hard and fast theory is, oh, she's 27. She doesn't have an option. But really, I think that it's for Charlotte. If you were to ask her what the hard and fast rule is, I don't think that it's in Charlotte's mind, oh, I'm 27 and I don't have another option. I think it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. So it might as well be him, you know? Yeah. 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 And maybe. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And maybe the fact that it doesn't matter is the driving force behind accepting him finally at 27. Mm -hmm. So you could reverse, you could reverse that argument. It's not that being 27 is driving her to make Mr. Collins marry her. It's that she doesn't care. That's the driving force. To get married at 27. Yeah, and maybe it's also kind of a point where she has been, especially if she's like friends with Mrs. Bennett, where it's like, oh no, you need to get married. You need to have this person. There's gonna, don't worry, Charlotte. I know you're 27, but there's someone, there's someone out there. You'll be fine. You'll get somebody. Somebody will fall in love with you. Everything will be fine. Like other people are kind of forcing this idea of romance on her. And if mm-hmm. she's just like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in romance at all. I have no feelings in that way. Then the fact that like Mr. Collins is there might, and you know, after all of these years of having that forced on her, she might just be like, look, if I get, if I marry this guy, then they won't be forcing this on me anymore. And I will stop feeling this awkwardness. Yeah. It's like an escape. Yeah. Maybe it's like an escape from that society. So like now she can be married and now she can live the life that she wants to live. Because being married to Mr. Collins will allow her to do that. Mr. Collins isn't controlling, you know. Mm -hmm. He's amiable enough. He's pompous. And he's not the most intelligent man. But he's going to give her a decent enough life that she'll be able to do the things that she wants to do that interest her. Right. And that we kind of see that later because we do get to see Charlotte in her married life. Yes. So, okay. I'm just going to read this. This is Lizzie's description of Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins is a conceited pompous narrow-minded silly man yep yeah yep yeah but yeah no i think i i do think that it's a combination of all of those things so it's it's less you're 27 you need to get married and more of a all of this crap like i'm 27 and i've been dealing with all this crap my whole life Mm -hmm. so i'm just going to take advantage of this opportunity because Mm -hmm. it's here yeah and while yes it might piss lizzie off i don't see another opportunity like this coming up where i can easily get into the position i need to get into Yeah, I like that argument. I like that. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. So now we're going to just, I want to just kind of quickly get through this little bit so that we can talk about the second Miss Bingley letter. I'm going to let you lead the second Miss Bingley letter discussion. But I just want to share with everyone that as soon as Miss Lucas tells Lizzie about the marriage and they have that discussion, the next day Sir William comes over to tell the Bennett family, what's going on, and they are so shocked. You know, the daughters, Mrs. Bennett, Lydia, they're just like, no, it's not true. Mr. Collins wants Lizzie. There's no way. They're being so, so rude. And Sir William, to his credit, is taking all of this, and he's still being super amiable and super nice. And then Lizzie's like, 
taking pity on him because her mother and sisters are attacking this poor man for coming over to share some happy news he's excited about and she confirms it and then mrs bennett just takes this to an extreme she is delusional because anytime charlotte comes around she's like oh she's coming around to scope out longbourn because she's gonna take it from me and kick us all out of our house when mr Bennett dies and every time she talks to Mr. Collins I know they're whispering about how they're gonna change the furniture and all this stuff so bonkers to which she has these conversations with Mr. Bennett yeah and that's where at the point where I was like you're sitting here let's just say I'm imagining them they're sitting in bed this is some pillow talk Mm -hmm. or whatever and She's like, oh my gosh, all of this is going to happen when you die, when you die, when you die, when you die. And Mr. Bennett is probably just like, bitch, I'm still here. Like, can you stop talking to me about when I'm going to die? Like, we don't know when that's going to happen. I could live longer than Mr. Collins and Charlotte. I could live longer than you. I could outlive our daughters. We don't know. Right. You know, but I'm here now. Maybe you should stop wondering about what's going to happen when I die because I'm here now. Like, it's important that I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Now. (laughs) Yeah. And Mrs. Bennett is just so obsessed with, you know, Charlotte taking over Longbourn that even Jane and Elizabeth are like, oh my gosh, I cannot talk about this with you anymore. Please stop. And then when she's not talking about the Lucases, she's talking about how Bingley is gone and how horrible that is. And she's doing it loudly and in front of Jane. And when she does that, it makes Jane feel terrible and sad all over again. It's basically like ripping that wound open in Jane's heart every time she brings it up. I think it's also that Mrs. Bennett doesn't know that Mr. Bingley supposedly doesn't have plans to come back. Because I think Jane only said that he or that the party had left for London. So Mrs. Bennett believes that Mr. Bingley will be back in the winter. Jane left that part out. So Mrs. Bennett isn't even talking like, oh, woe is us. She's just like, oh, well, when he comes back or, oh, it's so sad that he's not there. You know, when he comes back, I'll make a a dinner and two, at least two courses. And, you know, when this is happening, when this is happening. So it's even more of kind of like a dig into Jane because Jane knows that Miss Bingley says that they're not coming back at all. Mm -hmm. So the idea that Jane not only has to sit here and talk with her mom about oh yeah when he comes back yeah it'll be great she also has this like pain in her that's like no well they're not coming back and it's just even reinforcing it even more and lizzie does see this and she sees that jane is upset but nobody else seems to be able to read jane so no so then they get the second letter Mm -hmm. which just essentially confirms that they're planning on spending the whole winter in london that they're settled in Everything is chill. You know, everything is good for them. Oh, by the way, we're going to continue talking a little bit about Miss Darcy. To quote, Miss Darcy's praise occupied the chief of it, it being the letter, Mm -hmm. to which I responded, bitchy. Yeah. And then she also makes a point to say how Mr. Bingley will be at Mr. Darcy's house. And there's talk about getting new furniture. And like, she's putting herself again in that position where she's the authority of Mr. Darcy's house because she believes that she will be the mistress of it at some point. Well, also, Carolyn boasts joyfully of there being Mr. Bingley and Miss Darcy's increasing intimacy, mm-hmm. which I also wrote, bitch. So then this is where we really see Jane and Lizzie sitting down and having a full-on discussion about 
Jane's insecurities over her crush over Bingley and the fact that Jane doesn't believe that the sisters are behind the reason why Bingley is in London. Yeah. So Lizzie pretty much says that the sisters are manipulating Bingley. They are kind of trying to keep him in London so then they are able to put him in situations where he's with other women, specifically Miss Darcy. And Jane is like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Like if he, if Bingley really liked me, if he really enjoyed my company, if he really started to love me, there's nothing that would keep him away. Exactly. She does, she does make that really good point where she's like, if they believed him attracted to me, they would not try to part us. If he were so, they would not succeed. Yes. That's exactly the line. And, you know, that's a good point. She does make a good point. Mm -hmm. Because it's true. If Bingley is a man of a lot of money, he's in charge of things. And honestly, if he really did love Jane, then his sisters could not interfere. Nobody could interfere except maybe his friend. And that brings me to the question I had for you is when the sisters are talking about the intentions of the party and they're arguing about the design that was put in place where the sisters were going to go on to London to keep Bingley away. Elizabeth says that the more she sees of the world, the more dissatisfied she is with it because of all of these bad things that are happening, specifically Mm -hmm. all of the bad things that are happening to Jane, who in her eyes is the most amazing person on the planet. Mm -hmm. And It confirms my belief, says Lizzie, of the inconsistency of all human characters and of that little dependence that can be placed on the appearance of either merit or sense. I have met with two instances lately. One I will not mention. The other is Charlotte's marriage. So the one that she will not mention, they talk about Charlotte a bit and then they come back to it. And Jane is like... Tell me what you mean by this. Confirm what you mean by this, because I think I understand what you're saying, but I entreat you, dear Lizzie, not to pain me by thinking that person to blame and saying your opinion of him is sunk. Who's she talking about? So I had to read this paragraph a couple of times, and I think I think she's talking about Bingley, because... Okay. Jane saying your opinion of him is sunk. She doesn't want Lizzie's opinion of Bingley to be sunk. Okay. So, um, and then she goes on to say, we must not be so ready to fancy ourselves intentionally injured. So it's almost as if Jane is kind of making the point that. um, Oh, because she says we must not expect a lively young man to be always so guarded and circumspect. Maybe they are talking about Darcy. That's, see, I was very confused about who they were speaking of specifically, because I like the idea that she's talking about Bingley, because that would make sense when Lizzie says one I will not mention, because she doesn't want to bring up Bingley again to Jane. She doesn't want to add, like, pain to that. But That's then, why I thought it was Bingley. Yeah, but then when she says, so lively a man always so guarded and circumspect, that doesn't sound like Bingley to me. Mm-mm. So I wonder if the second instance isn't the Darcy Wickham situation. Maybe. Which would then lead on to, because this is the very last chapter that we read, and that would lead into them talking about Darcy at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is another instance where I really wish Austin would have just used a name. <laughs> um, right. 
Yeah. I'm far from attributing any part of Mr. Bingley's conduct to design, but without scheming to do wrong or to make others unhappy, there may be error and there may be misery. So that kind of makes me wonder if they aren't talking about Mr. Bingley um, by saying that he is acting this way, but he isn't necessarily doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like that's the design. So he he didn't go into this thinking, oh, I'm going to flirt with this girl and then leave, which I think yeah. is kind of what Jane mentions a little bit when she's talking about it is very often nothing but our own vanity that deceives us, thinking maybe that she and the Bennets probably thought too highly of themselves in thinking that Mr. Bingley would like Jane. And Jane very much doesn't believe herself worthy of Mr. Bingley at this point. Right. She definitely doesn't feel like she deserved to have his affection. This is very this is becoming very clear. It's kind of going back to that whole shame idea. Mm-hmm. Shame on me for liking him, shame on me for having this. And it's I think she mentions that somewhere else too that it's more than error of fancy on my side. And that it has done no harm to anyone but myself. Yeah. So she thinks that that her fancying Bingley has just hurt her. And she kind of blames herself for mm-hmm. this whole thing. So the fact that Elizabeth is saying that she doesn't think that Bingley's actions in this way are of his own accord. So he didn't plan on coming in, stealing Jane's heart, and then leaving. But the reason why this happened is because of the scheming of the other people involved. Right. He is continuing to go about this, but it's not necessarily because of his conduct as a person, but of the other people involved. So that's why I'm wondering if maybe that isn't Bingley that they were talking about. Yeah, I like the idea that it is probably Bingley. And then uh, I think the other reason why I don't know if it's necessarily talking about Darcy is because a few lines later, Elizabeth and Jane, they talk about, oh, you persist then in supposing his sisters influence him yeah. in being Bingley. Bingley. Yep. And then Elizabeth says, yes, in conjunction with his friend. Yeah. And that is, an, that is a reference to, to Mr. Darcy. Darcy. For yes. Sure. There we go. We cracked yeah. it. So she's saying that Mr. Bingley is acting out of order, but not because he's a bad person, but because of the sisters and Mr. Darcy. So essentially it's a repeat of the conversation that they had before, but this time we really see more of Jane kind of feeling ashamed, which is sad. It actually makes me so sad when I wrote in my notes that Jane doesn't feel herself, herself worthy of Bingley. It kind of broke my heart a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Jane. Yeah. Right. Well, and then after they have this sad discussion. Oh, we get Mr. Bennett being all like, ooh, Mr. Bennett? Yeah. What do you mean? What? That's when they have that conversation about how being jilted makes you more interesting, which we talked about earlier in this episode. Yeah. And I just want to say, he says to Lizzie to try to get her to be jilted. He says, now is your time. Here are many officers. Let Wickham be your man. He is a pleasant fellow and would jilt you credibly. Yeah. Which is like, oh, this is uh, this. I feel like this is almost along the lines of Mr. Darcy being like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to watch you from over here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then Wickham starts hanging around more because, you know, Lizzie's just been encouraged by her father, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Wickham tells everybody his version of events of the beef between him and Darcy. So then everybody knows now 
the supposed story. And everybody is like, yep, suspicions confirmed. Darcy is the worst, with the exception of Jane. Yes, I do like that Jane is still very much like, I really feel like we need to kind of be cautious about this. So on top of her feeling all sad about Bingley, she's still defending Darcy in that way, which I find really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. We did it. We got through everything we needed to talk about. Yes, there is one thing, though, that we didn't mention, and it's just literally like one little word, but it's when Mr. Collins comes back, because he does come back to Longbourn when he's like trying to get things ready for his wedding. Um, So he's like hanging out in Longbourn instead of Lucas Lodge. And at one point, Mrs. Bennett is complaining about how like Mr. Collins is around, but he's spending so much time at Lucas Lodge. And it's said here that... um. Luckily for the others, the business of lovemaking relieved them a great deal from his company, to which I responded, Ew. <laughs> it's not really lovemaking, it's just prepping for the marriage. I know, but Mr. Collins and lovemaking in the same sentence is just gross. I know, I agree. But yeah, I think coming up next, we have a little bit more of Charlotte and Mr. Collins, etc., etc. to look forward to. Yep, amazing. I'm excited. I'm excited for everything more to come. I say that every week, but it's true every week. So, yay. Well, we want to thank you all for listening to us. This has been With Beyond Measure, and I'm Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And we'll see you next time. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. We are hosted on Podbean, but you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at withbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBMPodcast. I'm going to say that again. It's WBM Podcast. We are also part of a new website umbrella called Books and Bull, where you can find articles, podcasts, reviews, and even some, well, bullshit. Um, go ahead and check that out at booksandbull.com.